Welcome to the Kingdom Culture Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this spirit-filled message that it blesses your week and brings you joy and perspective. To connect with us, hop on social media and for more information, head to kingdomculturechurch.com.au. That was the wonder of Christmas. Now I'm just wondering where it's gone because I can't even eat one piece of lasagna without it taking a month to burn off. So anyway, Christmas has, has really changed me. But, um, but, but maybe it's changed for you too. And maybe, maybe it's not just Christmas time that has lost the wonder for you. Maybe life, life has lost a little wonder for you. And maybe this year you had all your goals for 2018 and, you know, we kind of stop, stop at the end of the year and take, take note of our life and the things we hope to achieve and hope to accomplish. What do you do, though, when life just throws you so many knocks and so many disappointments? And if you're here for the video at the start, I mean, I'm looking at that, that whole wake up, brush your teeth, get ready, go to work, come home, Netflix, and chill if you're married, and then do it all, all over again, right? And waiting, waiting for that over and over again. And like then life can kind of get in a, a rut sometimes, maybe a little bit of monotony, and it loses, it loses its wonder. And sometimes it can even go worse than that. It kind of goes the opposite. It, gets, it can spiral down into negativity. You start to lose not just the wonder of life, but the joy of life. And maybe some of you are here like that right now. And it's all good to come to an environment like this where people pour on you life and pour on you joy. But when all the lights and the haze and the music's gone and Michael Buble just doesn't do it for you anymore, you just, it's just you. And maybe joy's run out for you and maybe the hype doesn't work for you the same way it didn't even. What do you do then? And people can talk about having hope for your life and there's a future for you, but you, if you're honestly true to yourself, you're going, I feel like I've missed the hope train. I've tried it. Careers have failed. Relationships have failed. Things just have not worked out for me. Well, the amazing thing about the, Christian, the Christmas message is that it actually speaks to people like you, it speaks to people like me who are in that very position. And right at the heart of the Christmas message is about the birth of Jesus Christ. And what is fascinating about what we know from the birth of Jesus Christ, from the eyewitness accounts, the eyewitnesses who were there at his birth were shepherds. And here's a photo taken from back then. These are the, the actual shepherds who were there. Not really. But they are the shepherds. I think it's from uh, somewhere, somewhere in the Middle East. So shepherds were the eyewitnesses to this incredible event that took place of the birth of Jesus. Now, you might think, well, what's, you know, we're Aussies here. I don't know if there's any too many sheep farmers, at least in the southeast corner of Queensland. But 2,000 years ago in the ancient Middle East, particularly in Israel, shepherds were the most ostracized, rejected group of people that there were. If you couldn't get a job with anyone else, you'd go and become a shepherd. If you had lost your family, if you lost all your wealth, if maybe you couldn't work for some reason, you'd go and become a shepherd. If you had a bad reputation and people would jeer at you in the streets and, and call you names and, or you, you, know, you were that kind of black sheep of the community, you'd go and become a shepherd because shepherds hung away in the fields. And furthermore, you could tell if you were a shepherd because you stunk like sheep. Has anyone ever smelt sheep when it's been raining? They stink. <laughs> So, and if you are a sheep farmer here, God bless you, right? So I'm not having a go. This is back in the, the olden days, the ancient days, right? But this is not the honest truth. So shepherds, shepherds were like, not only ostracized and jeered at, like it spoke of rejection. It spoke of loneliness. If you're a guy shepherd, you weren't exactly the bachelor, right? Girls were going, oh, he's shepherd, hey? It's like, oh, shepherd, I'm going that way, right? So this is like the worst, the worst group of people. But yet it was to these people 
whom the world snubbed and ignored and rejected. It was to shepherds that God welcomed in his very own son, Jesus, to the world. To those who were ignored, those who were ostracized, those who were forgotten. And it sets up an amazing precedent about what God thinks of you and what God God thinks of humanity. And too often I think we get our value. It's, isn't this always we get our value and our worth and our affirmation from how pe- what people say about us, what, what you know, culture says about us, whether we fit in or not. Maybe you're not a shepherd. Maybe you feel like you're still on the out. And no matter how hard you try to get on the in, you've done it all. You've ticked all the right boxes. You've got the house and kids and wife. and You've got it all right. And it's like, but I still feel like I'm on the out. The good news for you is the Christmas message says that you are welcomed by your heavenly Father. It's an amazing thing. Now, on a side note, because I get a lot of you here might not be church people and you, you might not even be sure of even this whole God thing. And, and so, so even at this point right here, the idea of the birth of Jesus, and you've heard the stories, maybe you've seen the nativity scenes and you just, maybe you're just a skeptic and you don't buy it. Can I say, I get it. Because the story of a virgin giving birth to a child is a long shot, right? No doubt about it. And, and, and this is the remarkable, and just, I just want to speak to you for a second. If you're a cynic about this and you're like, look, I like all the ideals, but you, you've got a really bad start to your story. Couldn't you have picked a better story that made more sense? Now, what I'm going to read tonight is just one of the eyewitness accounts. It's from a guy named Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. If you maybe grew up in Sunday school and you kind of heard some of the gospels there, he wrote one of the whole eyewitness accounts of the life of Jesus. Now, what we know from history is Luke was a doctor by trade. And he wrote this eyewitness account of Jesus. He went by and, and right at the introduction of his account, his biography of Jesus, where he said, I've endeavored to give an orderly account of everything that was seen and heard about the life of Jesus. So could you imagine, and for those of you that are in the medical profession or in a science background, or, you know, just lived after the Enlightenment, right? You go around and you look at, you know, kind of empirical data and you look at the evidence. Can you, I can just imagine Luke, the doctor, finally tracing the steps to where was he born? And he meets these shepherds. And he's like, okay, guys, what happened? And they start writing it down, writing it down. And they're like, yeah. And like the mom, she, she was like, she's still a virgin. And Luke's like, you do know how biology works, right? And so he's like, guys, that's how it happened. And he goes and chats with Mary. Like, Mary, the shepherds were saying, and she's like, yeah, that's literally what happened. Now, here's the thing. When people are going, well, that's why I don't believe religion. I heard it's made up. If you were starting a religion and you had the chance to write the book and you wanted to convince people of the validity of your story, wouldn't you start with something that made sense to people? You would avoid things that made it sound difficult to believe. But what if your job as a scribe of what happened, wasn't to persuade people or give her an argument, but was rather to simply write down what had happened. And all we know is this is what happened. Not only was it prophesied thousands of years before it, it happened. And so if you wanted to get this new religion off the ground, it would have been so handy to have left that part out. But they're like, we have to write down how it happened. It's not the best start to a new faith kind of getting off the ground, but it's how it took place. And so here's where we pick up the story of, um, of these shepherds, and this is what the Gospel of Luke records. It says, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, nearby Bethlehem. If you're wondering why a lot of these songs tonight had the word Bethlehem in it, Bethlehem is a city you can still visit today in Israel, and it's the town where Jesus was born. 
for the nearby Bethlehem, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And look, check this, they were terrified. So once again, okay, they were, I think we missed this in the nice nativity scenes and Christmas cards, and you see the sheep there and the goats there and the lobsters and whoever there at the first nativity scene. And it's all, it's, it's, it's holy, right? It's a, one, it's a wonderful night. No, the first night was outright freaky. They were terrified. And so Luke's great, how was it? They're like, man, we were scared to the bone. And like, we're tough, we're shepherds. We share ghost stories every night around the campfire. But this, man, this was different, right? They, they were terrified. It goes on. But the angel said to them, don't, don't freak out. And you know the worst thing to say to someone that's freaking out is, don't, but anyway, angel. So don't be afraid. I, will, I bring you, this is so important to get. He said, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, which is Bethlehem, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. Now, so you just heard this, that a, a, you know, a Savior is to be born and for the whole world to bring great joy, and it says, and here's a sign. So if you were told you're about to see a sign, what would you be expecting after hearing this? A miraculous baby has just been born to a virgin, and he's going to save the world of their sins. It's going to bring great joy to all people, okay? And you've been asked, you're about to be told a sign. What would you be expecting? If I was a shepherd, I'd be expecting a flying baby. <laughs> but literally, the angel had to say, I'm going to give you what we've just told you, that you're going to see a sign. I'd be expecting a baby that can already walk, that can already talk. Maybe everything it touches turns to gold. Like seriously, if you were having a miraculous encounter with an angel and he's like, here's going to be a sign, right, a sign, what would you be expecting? And he goes on and says this, and, and, and this sign, it says, he goes, this baby who will be born will bring joy, this is so important to understand, to all people, to all people. Now think about this for a moment. What is one thing on the planet, one thing in the world that would honestly bring joy to all the people? Because my first thing would be, I don't know, like millions of dollars, right? Like that seems to be something. But if you talk, if you're a millionaire here in this building, or you know a millionaire, maybe you're a relative of yours being a millionaire, or you were a millionaire, mega rich people will tell you that money hasn't been the greatest cause of joy in their life. It's probably been the greatest cause of distress in their life, cause them to lose their hair. It's the reason why you hear about so many people who have seemingly all the material possessions in the world, but yet they still don't have enough joy in life to get by with it. They still have to take substance. They still have to do their minds in because their stuff never brought them the joy that they were taught by their culture that it promises. So surely it can't be something material because the rich will say, well, sure, it brings you more stuff, but it doesn't necessarily give you joy. So take the other sense. Say if you're someone who has learned to be content with life with nothing, okay? You have no material possession, but you've got so much joy. And someone offered you, like, all the riches of the world. They'd be like, I don't need it. Like, I was able to find joy without stuff. So for the angels to say, this child, this child, is going to bring joy to all people. Surely it's not talking about a political party, right? Surely it's not talking about a certain material possession, because not everyone is going to agree on one thing. Heck, in my own marriage, my wife and I can't even agree on where to holiday, right? My wife's dream is just beaches, and my dream is mountains covered in snow. You couldn't get two more opposites, right? It makes my... Anyway, I could digress here, but this is not an opportunity for that. So what would be a sign 
would be a sign for everyone to agree. And so it's, the angels are hinting towards something about Jesus, saying that what he is offering the world, the joy that he is offering the world, is something that the world can't offer. It's something more than that. And there is a joy that comes through this baby child that the whole world will know that will outlast your own life. So he's hinting towards something. And he said, this will be a sign to you. And here's how it goes on. And this is what the sign is. Can we have the next bit? So this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now, once again, we've got a real sanitized version of, uh, you know, the manger. It's nice, cuddly. Truth is, if you've ever visited a stable before, a farm before, uh, I know some of you here probably live on properties. Okay, a, a manger is a feeding trough. Not exactly the most sanitary place to place a newborn baby. Okay, so all the mothers here, okay, you've given, you guys have given birth. So you guys, you guys know what it is to be protective of your newborn child, right? Mary wasn't neglecting her child here. Mary, did, there was nowhere else to give birth to. She was giving birth in a cave, and all there was was a feeding trough. And I know it's often sanitized, like cushions and like, you know, straw and a little wood cradle. It was more likely stone. So can you imagine here, mums, when you had your first child, just newly born, and there was a smell of animal manure, there was a feel of mud under your feet, there was a sound of bleating goats, and all you had to lay your brand new baby in was an animal feeding trough. Now, this wasn't lost on the angels. That's why he said, okay, you're going to see a mum, a new mum, who is like over flood with joy that she's got her, her first baby. Okay, it was incredible joy. And particularly in ancient Israel, in their culture, to be a mum was like the, the pinnacle for a young lady at Mary's age. Like it was the thing. But yet all she had to lay her child in was an animal's feeding trough. So that wasn't lost on the angels and she certainly wasn't lost on the shepherds. So he goes, that's the sign. You're going to see something that you would not expect to see a baby in, a manger. And so sure enough, the shepherds go there. There's a child. There's a baby in a manger. And this became a real hallmark of Jesus' life. And Jesus was often found in places that people did not expect of him. Even as, he, as the account of his life goes on, as a 12-year-old boy, he was found in the synagogue completely blowing away like all the, you know, the, the Jewish rabbis and what we call like modern day like pastor in a Christian church. Like a 12-year-old was there asking questions, being so curious. Where every other 12-year-old boy these days should have been playing Fortnite and should have been out riding hoverboards or whatever kids do these days, right? I'm not sure. If you're 12 here, you tell me what they do. But Jesus was found in the synagogue where he wouldn't have been expected. And then he grew up. He was a carpenter. But then as a carpenter, he was found in a place carpenters weren't expected. He was found like in church. So if you're a tradie here, two thumbs up to you, right? But not only was he found in church, he was found preaching the most amazing ideas and the most amazing sermon that blew everyone's mind away. So much so that they were offended. They're like, what is a chippy doing talking like he knows all this religious stuff that blew their minds? But then as a Jew, he was found in places that Jews weren't expected to be. In fact, as a, as a, it was one of the stories of his life is how he showed compassion to a Gentile Roman soldier. Now, just the Gentile part, the non-Jew side, in the culture of Jesus' day, Jews just did not associate with non-Jews. It wasn't so much a racist thing as it more was just a cultural thing. But not only did he associate and show compassion to a non-Jew, it was a Roman soldier. 
And Rome was dominating Israel at the day. So who, someone who should have hated and ostracized and bewildered, he showed compassion and life and love to. Man, as a man, man, in their culture today, men would avoid women in public at all costs. Jesus would approach women, particularly women who had a bad reputation, and shower on them love and encouragement and compassion. Everywhere Jesus seemed to go, people, he would go places people wouldn't expect of him. Then as a king, he did something that kings were never expected to do. With his own followers, he took the role of a slave, and he bended down and washed his own disciples' feet. It was the job of the lowest, but yet him being the highest, completely traded places where people didn't expect him. And then as the most righteous man who ever lived, who never sinned, the most perfect man, he was found crucified on a cross between two criminals where no one would have expected a righteous man. Then as the sovereign God, he was found dead and buried in a tomb where no one would have expected him. But then, as a dead man, he was found walking around, being seen by over 500 eyewitnesses for over a period of 40 days. There seemed to be this pattern with Jesus' life that he always ended up in places that people weren't expecting of him. Now, here's the amazing thing. Okay, so they're saying this manger is a sign. It kind of like set a precedent for his life. And it set a precedent for what Jesus was going to do. He was always going to end up in places that people wouldn't expect to find. And maybe you tonight, the last place you expected to be tonight was in a church, hearing some guy from the Sunshine Coast talking about the little baby Jesus. But life is often full of these wonderful surprises and these different signs that we have to encounter. And the thing about signs is it's so important to understand. Signs, this is profound, right? They point to something. So, what do I mean by that? <laughs> if you're driving, you're going to spend the day at Malulaba. I didn't love Malulaba. Okay, so, I didn't love Malulaba prawns for Christmas Day. No, okay, no, cool. So, if you're driving to Malulaba, you're looking forward to the beach, the sun, the sand, the waves, and you see the first sign, you know, Malulaba, 30Ks that way, and you're like, we're here. <laughs> let's park the car. Let's get a selfie in front of the sign. Pull out the picnic rug. Have a great time at the sign pointing to Malulaba and then head home. You'd be, you'd be not the smartest person in the world for doing that, right? Like, signs are usually pointing to something. And here's one of the, 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 the tragedies I think often happen in life is we tend to park at signs. And instead of heading all the way to what the signs are supposed to point to, we stop short of the true goal of what the signs are pointing to. And so maybe for you, like, maybe you're, you're here because it's Christmas time and you're like, uh, you know, I'm cool with coming to church at Christmas time, and, and I, I kind of love the Christmas message. You need to know this. This is kind of just like a sign pointing to something so much bigger. And you need to understand this. This is so important. There is so much more to the Christian message than just the Christmas message. There is so much more to the Christian message than just the Christmas message. Does that make sense? I might have repeated myself several times. And so if you're here going, okay, I'm kind of here. No, don't just park, don't just park it here at Christmas time. There is more. Now, rarely, listen, rarely, rarely is a sign better than the destination it points to. But on some occasions it is. I went on a road trip a few years ago on the way to the snow in Victoria. I don't know if there's any Victorians here. And you guys know the movie The Castle, right? We drove past Bonnie Doon. I got a photo of me at the sign, I think. This is like, you can't see me. But you can see the sign. I'm, I promise I'm there. I can tell you the sign is better than the place. So, that's just, 
If you're from, if you're from Bonnie Doon, I'm really apologize. But here's the thing, though, okay? And this is the message I'm trying to get across. Is do not allow your life to be defined by science. And what I mean by that is this. Your life, okay, science can often refer to one-off occurrences. You know when someone goes, I took it as a sign. Sometimes it can be these one-off occurrences in your life that kind of, the random, the negative, they're not always positive. We don't allow those signs to define your life, those one-off occurrences. Maybe you've had something mega heavy happen in your past before, and it's kept you parked there, and you've allowed that to define your life. Well, I wonder if this Christmas you can let the birth, a different kind of sign, begin to define your life. And as the shepherds who were ostracized and rejected by society found a home in the arms of a loving heavenly father, you can too. Maybe you've had some things said to your life that have been so hurtful and so negative that have caused you to stay and that's defined and limited your life. Don't park there anymore. Maybe you feel like you've done some things that have been massive mistakes, have hurt people in your life, they've hurt your potential, and so you've parked it there now. And you're saying, I can't go any further than this. This is as far as I'm going to go in life. Don't park at that any longer. Don't allow it to define your life anymore. The first followers of Jesus, they were wrestling with this idea about how Jesus brought great joy to all people and to their lives. They didn't have to be defined by their mistakes and they didn't have to be defined what other people did to them. They wrestled with this. And one of the first followers of Jesus, he's called the Apostle Paul. He wrote a whole lot of our New Testament. And one of his letters to the church at Philippi, he said something that has so impacted my life. I wanted to share it with you at this Christmas. Here's what he says. He says, not that I have already obtained all of this means I haven't perfected life. I'm not yet there. I haven't arrived and parked and I'm settled. He said, I haven't obtained it all. And I haven't already arrived at my goal. But, this is so important. He says, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And here's what I, I, I'm praying that you get at this Christmas time. Without the message of Jesus, we've got what's, what I call a secular hope. And a secular hope is this, it's finding something to hold on to. Maybe it's your job, maybe it's a relationship, and you're finding something to give you joy, to give you hope, to give you meaning. But the Christian hope is different. The Christian hope isn't about finding something to hold on to. The Christian hope is a promise that you and I are being held, that you're being held on to. And the Apostle Paul wrote that, he goes, I press on for that very thing that Christ Jesus has laid a hold of me. And maybe tonight, You've been trying a whole lot of different things in your life to grab a hold of. Maybe this time of year when you go shopping and there's all the sales on and you're like, I just want to get something new to hold on to and make me feel better about myself. I don't know what it is. But we can always look for things to hold on to. The message of Jesus Christ is that you have a loving God who wants to hold you. And it's not about you chasing down, trying to perform well or perfect your life or to sort things out. It's recognizing that your heavenly Father wants to hold on to your life like a loving Father does. And tonight as I close, I'd love to have to pray with you tonight. And maybe, maybe you've never kind of allowed this whole message of Christmas to become personal to you. And maybe it's kind of just, it's been songs and presents and holidays and prawns and for me, lasagna. But in this moment, I would love to pray for you. And if you would like to begin your journey to make this message more than just a Christmas thing, but a life thing, to not just park it here at Christmas time, but to make a decision to say, I actually now want to be held by God and I want to begin following Jesus myself. I'd love to be able to pray with you right now. So if we could for a moment, if we could all bow our heads and maybe close our eyes for 
just a moment of privacy. And as much as there's hundreds of people in this building tonight, I want you to just take a moment for yourself, privately, if it's just between you and God right now. And if you're here tonight and you want to acknowledge just before God that I need to make a decision to follow Jesus tonight and to no longer let my past define me, to no longer let things that have happened to me define me, but tonight I want to let the fact that God loves me define me. And if that's you tonight, I'd love to have to pray with you. And so I know who I'm praying for tonight. Could you maybe just quickly wave me, lift your hand up high so I can see it. And you want to make this decision personal tonight and make a decision to follow Jesus Christ and to put your trust in Him. Just put your hand quickly up. I'll see you can put it straight back down. As I look over here, with no one else looking around, thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you so much. God bless you. That's so cool. I don't know how you came here tonight or what your background is, but I believe it's by no coincidence you found yourself here. In just a moment, I'm going to lead us all in a prayer. And if you want to be included in that, if you haven't left, yet lifted your hand up, you can just give me, put your hand straight up. I'll see it and you can put it straight back down as I look through here. God loves you so much. Thank you so much down the front there. That's awesome. Maybe you've made a decision like this before in your life, and, and, but you know for the past season you've been doing things your own way. And tonight you're like, I need to recommit my life back to Jesus Christ. Is anyone like that as well? Just give me a wave. Put your hand up. I'll see it. You can put it straight back down. God bless you. God bless you. That's awesome. God bless you. Thank you so much. Patty, thank you so much. Thank you so much. That is so cool. Well, can we do one thing? Can we stand together? And uh, I'd love us all to pray this prayer out loud. And if you're one of those who put your hand up, I, I literally want you to pray this as if you were the only person in this room. And maybe you didn't put your hand up, but you're like, I probably should have. I still want you to pray this with all of your heart. So after me, nice and loud, can we say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for love. Thank you for seeing me, giving your life so I might live. I'm sorry for my mistakes. I turn to you tonight and I receive your gift of salvation. Amen. Hey, congratulations to those of you who prayed that prayer. That is awesome. That's the greatest decision you could ever make. I'm going to hand you over to one of the team now. Have a Merry Christmas. God bless you, and have a very happy new year. Thank you so much, guys. Come on. Can we give it up one more time for Pastor Jono? That's unreal. Legend, bro. And can I say?